If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A broken down car, a backed up auto repair shop. Two brothers decide to take matters into their own hands. Do they meet their guardian angel? This week on Tempest. Powered by Jalopnik. I'm David Obachowski. Welcome to Tempest, powered by Jalopnik. This episode of Tempest, for the last 20 plus years, I've had a story that I've told only maybe five or six people. It's such an incredible story, such a bizarre story, that I've always been afraid that people either wouldn't believe me or they'd think I'm crazy. And it really is such a completely strange story that I'm not even sure I would believe it myself anymore, except for the fact that there was someone right there with me when it happened. My brother. Like me, my brother hasn't exactly gone around telling a lot of people this one. As I've mentioned, I've probably told that story maybe half a dozen times or so in my life. And believe it or not, my brother and I have only spoken to each other about it twice since this happened over 20 years ago. But as bizarre as this story is, it is, at its core, a car story. And so I decided it was time we finally told our tale. You know the story that I want you to tell, correct? Uh, I believe so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> My brother's name is Ed Obachowski. He's about four and a half years older than me. Despite our age difference, my brother and I were pretty tight as kids growing up in New Jersey in the suburbs of New York. In 1992, when I was in eighth grade, my brother went off to college at the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. It was tough for me. He was my buddy. Fortunately, once my brother settled into college life, I would go out to visit him once or twice a year for a weekend. And this particular story begins at the start of one of those weekends. The year was... 1995-96. So I, I would have been right around 21. Ah, uh, yes. Perfect. He was 21. I was 16 or 17. A full weekend in a college town where my brother's old enough to buy the beer. All we had to do was get from Chicago, where I flew into, down to Champaign. And this is not a hard drive. I mean, this is a drive you and I have done countless times, and it's only about 120 miles-ish, right? Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's probably a little over two hours, right? Like, pretty much a straight down, what is that, 57? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, done that drive a million times. It's like, I mean, a straight line. And we were going to do that in our dad's old car, which had been taken over by my brother. I believe it was a 1986 uh, silver Nissan 200SX. Five-speed transmission. Five-speed transmission. A quick note, I loved this car. When I turned 17, I was lucky enough to get a car too, but it was my grandparents' old 1984 Honda Accord with an automatic, and the thing was plagued with all kinds of problems. It would overheat, the carburetor would need to be replaced every few months, the transmission went out, it had electrical problems, and it was just a boring car. That 200SX was a sleek little silver coupe with pop-up headlights, and the five-speed manual was a complete joy to drive. My brother loved it, too. He even did a little work on the thing in high school. I did a lot of work, but it was uh, mostly on, um, on like, the, the car stereo, you know, swapping out the, the head unit and putting in better speakers and a subwoofer and an amps and stuff like that. I think I put on some fog lights, 
Um, you know, it's just, just some mi- minor modifications like that, but nothing, nothing overly mechanical. Anyways, he picked me up in the 200SX and we were on our way. There was my brother, there was me, there was my duffel bag of clothes for the weekend, and there was one other thing in the car, and this is important. There were tools. That is correct. I did have tools in the trunk. Obviously, uh, I went to University of Illinois. My undergrad degree was in political science, but I was also uh, I was also in the Institute of Aviation, um, where I would where I had uh, trained to become a flight instructor. And as part of their course uh, of becoming a flight instructor, there's something called a uh, an AMP, which I don't even recall what, what what that acronym stands for anymore. But basically, it's uh, learning about the mechanics of, of the airplane. And so as a result, um, you were sort of forced to buy a, uh, a pretty expensive set of uh, snap-on tools. And so um, that's why I believe I had those in my car. So we got on 57 South. I know, I, I know it was getting close to the evening. So I don't, I don't know if it was like 3, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, but it was definitely getting late. But then something happened. Well, I want to say... It was outside of a couple miles outside of Kankakee, which is, you know, what about 30, 40, 45 minutes, maybe outside of Chicago, something like that. And, um, uh, if, if I recall, um, the, the car started sputtering to some extent, lights came on and basically we lost complete power. And to your point earlier about the, uh, the transmission. So, you know, you, you, you basically put the clutch down and you sort of glide to a stop and pull over to the side of the road, um, uh, over to the shoulder. And, you know, we attempted to sort of restart the car, restart the car, nothing. It just wouldn't turn over. And, you know, we knew we had gas. Um, so we had really no idea what the heck was going on. The car was dead. And this was in the mid-90s when neither of us had any kind of cell phone. But there was an exit not too far up ahead. We got out and walked, and a couple miles up, we came to the exit. We were right there at the off-ramp when a state trooper drove by and spotted us. We told him what happened. He said there was a motel and an auto repair place right there at that very exit. He called us a tow. The tow truck hooked up the 200SX and brought the car over to us. Sears-type place where they they did uh, auto servicing. Montgomery Ward, was that it? Montgomery Ward. That was it. Now keep in mind, we'd left Chicago in the late afternoon or evening. Like you said, it was late at night, so there was no chance that we were going to get in then. But the thinking was that, you know, we'd, we'd uh, stay overnight and then, uh, you know, get the car fixed pretty much first thing in the morning. When we come back, the clock is ticking and we're forced to improvise. Between us, we had about 500 bucks, but part of that was already spent on the motel, and of course, now we've got to pay to fix the car. So we wake up first thing that next morning. I think it's a Saturday. Um, you know, so we're, we're trying to, we're, we're, you know, we, we know we've got a situation where if we're going to make it down to Champaign, we're going to have to get the car fixed that day. Um, so, so yeah, we head over to uh, Montgomery Ward, 
And uh, we we talk, we speak to the repair people, and 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 I very clearly remember them saying, okay, you know, whoever it was, eight o'clock in the morning or so, you know, they said, yeah, you know what, we've got a couple of cars ahead of you, uh, so why don't we just give you a call? Uh, it'll probably be like around ten o'clock. And um, and then of course, you know, ten o'clock rolls around, we don't hear anything, so I give the call, guys a call back. Yep, yeah, you know, hey, sorry, we're running late. It's going to be like around eleven now. Um, then, of course, 11 comes to pass. Next thing you know, call back again and we hear 12 or one o'clock or two o'clock. And where I'm getting nervous now is, you know, the repair shop closes at like five o'clock. And, uh, you know, with every passing hour, I'm getting told things are getting more and more delayed. And then I think we get to finally get to a point where I call back probably close to like two or three um, or maybe even closer to four. And uh, and they tell me, of course, um, look, we just got two backed up today. We're not going to be able to get you in until the weekend's over, until Monday. And so that kind of put us in a bit of a conundrum. This was a bum out. I'd been looking forward to this weekend with my brother in Champagne for a long time. And now, all of a sudden, it's looking like the car won't be fixed until it's time for me to fly back to Jersey. I, I too, was like, oh, man, this is going to turn into just a, a, a pretty awful weekend. But we don't give up that easily. I think we decide to sort of take matters into our own hands. We, we said, you know what, let's, let's just troubleshoot this. Let's narrow it down to what it could be. So what do you need to, for an engine to, to have combustion or to support combustion? You need gas, you need air, and you need fire. Okay, let's do the most basic thing. Let's take off the air filter. So sure enough, we take off the air filter. Doesn't look clogged at all. Looks like we're able to get air. Check that one off the list. That's not the problem. All right, let's go ahead and, let's go ahead and um, take off one of the spark plugs and turn it over, hold it close to the engine, and see if we get a spark. And, you know, so we touch the spark plug to the engine, we turn it over and sure enough, we can see a spark in a spark plug. So we know, hey, at least one of the, uh, one of those four cylinders is getting um, fire to it. Um, and then the next thing we do is we identify where the um, fuel line is. So we take off the fuel line and we go to start the car and no fuel comes out. We knew we had fuel, but we also knew that now something was wrong within the fuel pump system. So I would say that we had sort of identified, you know, at least what we thought was the root cause. This is classic Big Brother stuff. I look back on it now and he was just a college kid. But back then he was this older guy who could fix stuff, who could fly planes, who had his own apartment a thousand miles away from where we grew up. And so here we are standing in front of his car, which has about a thousand parts. And he just goes, okay, I think maybe I know what's wrong. And I'm going, definitely, definitely, let's do this. So somehow um, we, we did figure out that within a certain distance, a relatively reasonable distance, I want to say about, you know, 30 minutes or so from where we were staying, there was a Nissan dealership. And, uh, and we called the Nissan dealership and they said, you know, sure enough, their, you know, their parts department closes at whatever it was, five o'clock or so. And so the Nissan guy says, parts guy says, look, it could be one of two things. If it's the fuel pump, you're talking about a, you know, $90 part. If it's the sending unit, um, you're talking about, you're going to have to buy both. It's going to be about a $500 part. And now we got to make a decision about, you know, do we buy the fuel pump for 90 bucks or do we buy the whole thing? We've only got one shot. But we've only got so much money. But there's still another problem. We need to get there. 30 minutes away by car is no good if you're on foot. So knowing it's going to hurt our already meager budget, we call a taxi. We got into a cab. And um, the, uh, you know, we got into the cab. And of course, the main topic of discussion was, 
oh man, what do we do? Uh, you know, do we, do we buy the pump or do we buy the whole thing? And, um, you know, we sort of, we're, we're in the back having this conversation and, and the, the cab driver sort of overhears us. And, uh, you know, he asked us about, you know, where we're going and what happened. And we explained the whole situation. And, um, the cab driver explains, and again, I'm going back here that I want to say he learns that I was, uh, studying to become a pilot or that I was a flight instructor. And he explains that he has a son, uh, that was also studying to be a pilot. And so we kind of make that connection. I have a different recollection here. As I recall, the cab driver himself said he was a pilot, and then he asked me what I was into. Back then, I was a DJ at a small radio station that broadcasted out of the basement of our high school. Radio was a big deal for me. I'd gotten my FCC licenses, and I was even the assistant music director for the radio station. The cab driver then tells me his son was also in broadcasting. That's very possible. And plus, you are younger than me, so your memory might be better than mine. Anyway, it was weird. There were these two very specific connections we had with the cab driver. But of course, we need to deal with the problem at hand. And then, of course, as we're getting closer and closer to the Nissan dealership, uh, we have to decide to make, you know, we're, we're sort of at that point of, of decision. And that decision is, do we spend basically every penny on the sending unit slash fuel pump combo that'll almost certainly fix it? Or do we just spend a little bit and just get the fuel pump, which may not actually do anything? Uh, I didn't really know uh, what, the, what the right decision was. You know, I just knew the ramifications uh, if, I, if I chose incorrectly. We pull into the Nissan dealership. And literally, as I'm getting out of the car, the cab driver turns to me and says, well, what did you decide that you're going to do? And I said, I, I, I don't really know. At this point, I'm too nervous to even offer an opinion. And he said something along the lines of, go with, go with what God tells you to do. Go with what God has put into your heart. That's exactly what he said. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I walk in and... Uh, I go to the parts guy and I said, give me the fuel pump for 90 bucks. When we come back from the break, we get to work and things get strange. Did he ask us if we believed in God or if we were religious or something like that directly or no? I think he did. Um, I, I think he asked if we were a believer. And you and I being sort of lapsed Catholics and sort of from a family of lapsed Catholics in general, did we just answer sort of honestly? Um, I, I think we I think we probably gave uh, that typical disclaimer of, of you know, we were raised Catholic uh and certainly believe, um, uh, you know, believe in, uh, in, in Jesus, but uh, are, are very spiritual. 
I asked my brother that not because I didn't remember it, but because I wanted to see if he remembered it. And he remembered it exactly as I had. And what I recall was that when the cab driver asked that, I got real uncomfortable. I hate those questions. I'm always afraid I'm going to disappoint the person with my answer or the person is going to start evangelizing me. Yeah, I, I've had way too many uh, conversations about politics and religion and stuff like that in, in the back of cabs, and it, it never ends well. Fortunately, the cab driver wasn't disappointed, and he didn't try to push his beliefs either. What do you remember about the cab ride back? Virtually nothing. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I, and I, I actually, the only thing I remember was a lot of silence. After a quiet half-hour ride back, we arrive. It's late in the afternoon now, maybe early evening, and the light's getting soft. Okay, well, this is where I think things get a little bit interesting. So what I recall is he, he dropped us up. He, he dropped us back off in the parking lot. And remember I was telling you earlier how this was a parking lot that was kind of filled with cars. But, of course, now, um, you know, now the stores are closed. And the parking lot, is, is which was pretty substantial, was virtually empty. Um, and so there was kind of my car and, and not a whole lot of ton of cars around. Um, so the point being was, was you could see pretty much everything that was going, going on in this relatively desolate parking lot. And I want to say he wished us luck. Um, and he said something along the lines of, you know, I know whatever decision you decided to make. Uh, I know if you, you know, if you went with your heart and you went with God that you, you were, you were going to make the right decision. We had limited light and we had my brother's tool set. We got to work. You know, we basically, you know, took off a couple of the screws to, to take off the, um, you know, the cap that sort of covered the, uh, uh, ostensibly the gas tank. And, and, and there inside of it was this first, this, you know, sending unit and then attached underneath that sending unit, uh, was the actual fuel pump itself. My brother put his aircraft mechanics training to work and he started swapping the old pump with the new one. Took off a couple of wires, um, um, you know, took off a couple of screws removed the old one, put the new one back on, and um, put it back in a tank. And what we were about to do was go back to that test again. Then was kind of the weirdest thing, which was, now again, sort of picture that we're in this empty parking lot. There's not much noise. So you can kind of hear, you're going to hear basically everything. So it's a totally empty, quiet parking lot. And we're about to test the fuel pump when this happens. And we turn around. And sure enough, who, who appears, but, uh, this cab driver, um, who had since left us. When my brother says he appears, he's right. We never saw him drive up. He was all of a sudden there. He was leaning against the cab and he was drinking like a big gulp or some other kind of gas station soda kind of thing. I almost got the feeling like, oh, he, he must be done with his day, right? And this must be, he must be done and he uh, done driving for the day. And he's just, for whatever reason, just checking on us. Yeah, it was like he was curious, like we had talked about the situation in the cab, and now we just wanted to see how it turned out. And um, and, and he asked, and he said, so, how did it go? And then he said again, something along the lines of, well, if you go with your belief, if you go with God, I know it's going to work. It was the third time he said that. He said it right before we bought the part. He said it when he dropped us off. And then he said it right then, when we were about to test it. And so... We kind of looked at each other. And my brother told me, tell me if you see gas coming out of the fuel pump. Sure enough, gas starts spurting out and I start yelling, we got it, we got it. We got out of the car and the guy was gone. The car was gone. The, the, cab, the, the cab driver was gone. Nowhere in sight. So somewhere along the lines of, of ostensibly a couple seconds, you know, call it 
15, 20 seconds in this large, empty, quiet parking lot. And this guy, who was literally 15 feet away from us, disappeared. Stay with me through the break to hear the rest of this story. It was difficult to process. The guy was there, and then he wasn't. And we both saw the same thing. And I almost feel like we were too nervous to even move at first. But the sun was setting, and we did what we set out to do. We end up putting everything back together as best as we can. And we basically hopped back in the car and made the rest of the drive down to Champaign. And I'm not sure we said a word for the rest of the drive. It was... It was... I mean, I, I, I think we all had the same sort of thing going through our mind. Like, I remember the drive, and I remember feeling like I didn't even breathe until we got to Champagne. Again, I keep going back to it, this completely empty and, and, and desolate, quiet parking lot. And, you know, this gentleman just appearing completely, ostensibly out of nowhere, um, and then disappearing. And, and I mean, I, I still to this day think about, like, you know, how... I probably could look, you know, an eighth of a mile in any direction. There's no way a car could have pulled away. Um, and, 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 you know, in that time frame, it just would have been impossible. I feel like if you were to guess what it would be like if something really weird happened to you, you'd probably think, oh, yeah, I'd have a great story and I'd tell everyone. But for us, it just felt like we couldn't talk about it, not even to each other. I think one of the only times I talked to my brother about it again was a year or two later over Christmas. We stayed up late playing chess, having a drink, and I asked him, hey, do you remember that time when the car broke down? Yeah, no, I, I, I know we didn't talk about it for the rest of that trip, and, uh, and, and I, I tend to agree. I think it was at least a year before we brought it up again. And, you know, I'll tell you, I've probably told that story, you know, half a dozen times in, in my life or maybe a little bit more than that. And, and, you know, depending upon the person that you're talking to, people can look at you pretty funny. Why didn't we say anything to each other right then and there? Why didn't we go, hey, did you see that guy drive away? Did you see him even drive up? You know, I mean, as, as I look back on that, you know, I have to tell you, this is, and this may seem a little bit odd, but I, I think to some extent, maybe the reason why we were so quiet on our way back is that we, we maybe perhaps felt the presence of something greater than us and certainly something that we can't explain. Uh, and, you know, I remember thinking about that guy over the years and, you know, saying to myself, you know, God, was that a, you know, I mean, was that like a guardian angel? Guardian angel. I'm glad he said it because it's what I would have wanted to say, but would have been afraid to. There was something about how he stood there drinking a Coke, leaning against the cab saying, hey, it'll be okay. That really did give us the feeling that he wasn't just watching us, but that he was watching over us. You know, maybe it's maybe it's all completely irony. Maybe it's uh, just our minds playing tricks on us. But, you know, but again, I, I don't think and I don't mean to harp on this. I don't think it is physically possible for him to pull in without us knowing about it and for him to pull away within seconds 
When I finally made up my mind to tell this story, I thought that maybe an interesting angle would be somehow to try to retrace our steps back to Kankakee, back to that Montgomery Ward parking lot, back to the cab driver. But first of all, I'm not even sure it was in Kankakee. That was my brother who thought that. I thought it was a smaller town than Kankakee, and even though there was a Montgomery Ward in Kankakee, it wasn't right off 57, and my research suggests it was shut down long before we would have ever gotten there. I reached out to Bill Yonko, a Kankakee local who has a morning radio show, who works for the school district, and who's involved with the city itself. Hello, this is Bill. Hey, Bill, this is David Obachowski. How are you? Good, how you doing? I've been told that if anyone would know the area, he would. Does this sound familiar? Do you know of any Montgomery wards that were in Kankakee or maybe Bradley or something near Bourbonnais that were, or I don't it even was, know how to It say was it. in Montgomery Ward, closer to downtown. But the timing of that, I don't, I think that wasn't there in 95. Um, I'm trying to figure, think it like, oh man. Um, Bill and I went back and forth, but we couldn't come to any solid conclusions. And then, and there was, and, and there was a hotel, a motel there. He couldn't think of a Montgomery Ward auto in Kankakee or any other nearby town. Do you remember a cemetery? I the the, the the motel in in if it was the Kankakee exit, the motel has a cemetery right across the street from it. Boy, that doesn't sound familiar. He wondered if maybe it was a different business. But the funny thing is, for a story so filled with things that all seem so uncertain. Montgomery Ward Auto is one of the only things I am sure about. Thanks, Thanks so, much. so much for calling me. Of course. Thank you. Bye. Bye. No matter where that Montgomery Ward was, it's gone. Those stores closed their doors long ago. So I looked up cab companies in the area. There were only a couple that seemed like they could be possibilities. The rest were limo services, and we definitely didn't take a limo that day. The number you have reached has been disconnected or is no longer in service. The number you have dialed is not in service. Please check the number and try your call again. Thank you. I suppose I could keep digging, keep investigating, maybe even fly out there and drive down 57, looking out over all the exits, hoping to see some familiar roads or parking lots. I could do that, and I might even find something out, maybe even get to the bottom of this whole crazy story. But then, after all these years, I don't think I want to go digging for answers. Bill Yonko said he could do some more research on where that Montgomery Ward auto might have been located. I thanked him, but told him not to worry about it point is, maybe I prefer the mystery. And even though I'm not even slightly religious, maybe I'd like to think that we live in a world where there's a little magic, a little wonder. And if your car breaks down and you try wrenching on it yourself, maybe, just maybe, you might have a guardian angel helping you along too. Thank you for listening to Tempest, powered by Jalopnik. The show is produced and written by me, David Obachowski, with editorial oversight by Kristen Lee and Patrick George. Mandan Omafidi is the executive director of audio. Music by me, David Obachowski, and my projects, Distant Correspondent and Memory Bias. The episode was mixed by Jamie Colazzo. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Panoply, NPR One, and wherever you get your podcasts. Email us, tempest at jalopnik.com. Drive safe and love your car, especially if it's a 1986 Nissan 200SX, though... 
Watch that fuel pump. See you next Tuesday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.